You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. Are the seven churches of Revelation in active operation today? That's the question that we're going to be answering to, uh, looking at answering today. And uh, just want to just let you know about these type of episodes. Some, ta- some days I want to give you um, a lens to see the world. Sometimes I want to answer your questions. Sometimes I want you to feel something. Um, and, and, and we do this all through the lens of a biblical worldview. And I think in order to really understand the Bible, in order to interact with the Bible, we have to ask questions. I'm thinking of Daniel right now who had the visions of future kingdoms, uh, present and future kingdoms, and he was troubled. He was a little confused. He didn't really know what it all meant. And so if the prophet is having a bit of trouble understanding, we will too. And so it's, it's good to convene and ask each other questions. And um, and this question, and so there's a, a website that I love called Cora.com. I've been on there for years, and I've been answering uh, questions, hundreds of questions about uh, Christianity, Jesus, faith, the Bible. And um, and so, yeah, whenever, quite frankly, whenever I don't have something in particular that's really burning on my mind that I want to talk about, I will... Um, I will answer a question, and and we'll probably answer more questions uh, through the life of this podcast because I really want to give back value. But anyway, uh, I'll revisit the question again and then get into the answer. Are the seven churches of Revelation in active operation today? No, they're not. Um, the seven churches of Revelation do not exist today. And, you know, this is a sobering reality because at the end of each letter— Jesus warns them to repent, and if they don't repent, uh, if they don't stay faithful, because some of them uh, were doing fine, they just needed to stay faithful, uh, but if they didn't continue in faithfulness, if they didn't end faithful, um, they would, you know, he would take away their lampstand. This is his way of saying, I'm going to turn the lights off, I'm going to shut the doors, I'm going to close your operation, and this makes sense. Um, I know today it's very easy to bemoan the fact that there are so many churches that are dying and closing. And that is that is sad when a church closes. But let me tell you, sometimes a church needs to close. Whenever a church is no longer following Jesus, it's a cult. Whenever a church is leading people astray, it's not helpful it's dangerous. And so Jesus himself, the CEO himself, the Lord himself says, I'm shutting your doors. Um, this is like today where the death of a lot of denominations are happening. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I historically have not been someone that hates denominations. I, I think there's a lot of good reason to have denominations, just like there are lots of good reasons to have multiple churches. So think about this. The Christian faith is so rich that it contains multiple traditions, multiple understandings of the church and how to do church. And And the thing is, we're all reading the same New Testament. We're all reading the same book. So it's not that one group is simply right and one group is simply wrong, uh, maybe on some matters, some issues. But by and large, um, you know, as a Protestant, I can understand the way a Catholic would read the Bible. When Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and he doesn't say it's symbolic, they have a point. I don't, 
I obviously have a different interpretation. Um, but, but that's a thing. That's the thing. So the Christian tradition is rich enough to house several different ways of doing church, several different traditions. But the thing is, within one local faith community, multiple traditions is chaos. This is like the holidays where all the families are gathered together. And if there isn't um, a general sense of unity, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be two visions, two visions, which literally is division. And so there's a reason why there would be different groups of people. There were different groups of people in Jesus' time. And even as the church was growing and maturing, they became just like the Pharisees in a, in a way. The Pharisees they were the, the, or the, religious, uh, the Jewish religious party. So there were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the Essenes. Um, there were other people. You could think of them like religious parties or denominations. They were also political parties as well. Together, they you know the the uh, most of the I believe the Sadducees would make up the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Council of Seventy. It's political, and as the church started growing, well, people would say. I mean, you could read this in First Corinthians chapter one. I follow Paul, or I follow Peter. Or I follow Apollos, right? Everyone had their different strengths, right? Like, wow, Paul is the theologian. Someone would also say, wow, Apollos can really speak and, and or it well. Others would say, well, you know, Peter is the rock on which the church was built. I follow Peter. He was, he was pretty much a day one. And then there are people that are overly spiritual, and they'll say, I follow Jesus. Or maybe they're not overly spiritual. Maybe they're trying to correct something that was lost. There's a different way to to uh, to read that, but the point is, it's fine when a church has groups. It's not fine when the church acts human over those groups. Like, I think it was I think it was chapter three in First Corinthians where Paul says, "You're acting in a merely human way. You're picking your your favorites." And and listen, the world doesn't care. Most people, most new people that are going to church are not going to church because of who the pastor is. Now, if you've been in church for a while, we tend to care about that stuff. But the outside world just wants the gospel. They just need to hear the gospel. That's the reason they're at church, whether they realize that or not. They're being drawn in to hear the gospel. So denominations are fine, but they're they're not fine when when they split up the church and when we can no longer, you know, meet together to pray or meet together to serve our community or meet together to be salt in the earth. And so Jesus looks at, at, at places like this and he says, I'm shutting you down. You do more harm than good. Um, and, and so back to the question, what can we learn from this, right? Like when church is shut down, like what can we learn from this? Oh, why is this possibly a good thing? Well, um, first, it's noteworthy that Christianity is the only religion that it's made it to every continent. It doesn't have one geographical hub. Like Islam, it's Mecca, right? Um, but not Christianity. We've, we've, our God is the living God. He moves around. His gospel has been moving along with his people as they are persecuted. And so th- this is one thing. Like, here's the thing. If you have a comfortable life, you're not, you're most likely not moving. But 
if you were to experience persecution, if you're being pursued for your faith, you move. And so that's what the early church did. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is one of the early deacons. He is the first to die for his faith, and the Christians in Jerusalem, they leave. They head up north toward Damascus. And as they head up north, as they leave, guess what they take with them? The gospel. And this happens all throughout history. And so, you know, think about this. Egypt used to be Christian. Like, when you get into uh, the biblical languages and textual criticism and the original languages um, of the New Testament, you're going to, you know, Greek, like you, um, when you look at the New Testament, you see, oh my goodness, there are lots of manuscripts that were stored in Alexandria, Egypt. Jesus went down to Egypt when he was a boy. Um, the church had a presence in Egypt. And now it's Muslim. What happened to the continent of Africa? Did God lose? Because there are a handful of Christians there. No. No. God has the long game in mind. I, I, if we had time, we could go to Daniel 7, uh, where, 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 where Daniel sees a vision of these, these empires that will rise. And how basically one empire would rise, and then another empire would rise, and then another empire would rise. And, and there would just be conquest after conquest after conquest. Every nation is brought to being through conquest and the taking of another nation. And so God is playing the long game. He's building his church. He's building his kingdom. And just because at one point in time there is a place that is no longer Christian or a church that shuts down, it doesn't mean that God has lost his big plan. We are bit players in God's big plan. And that's what we need to remember. I'll end on this note. Jesus promised that he would build his church, Matthew 16, 18. And so this is where history is going. In fact, the end of the world is going to happen when God's people lose in the, in the most significant way that they have never lost before. That will, that will usher in the end of the world. And until then, Jesus is building his church. God bless, and I'll see you next time.